Harvey. A lot of you know who that is. He made this statement. He said, in times like these, it's good to remember there has always been times like these. So today, I thought it would be appropriate for us to speak about the word quarantine. Since all of us have been experiencing this for the past four to six weeks or so, I want to share with you about some people in the Bible who actually were quarantined or isolated for a period of time because God was preparing them, He was resting them for some bigger, greater purpose to come into their lives. So with that being said, I want to remind you that Joseph actually was in prison before he was actually second in command. There was a time in his life where he was quarantined. He was in jail. Uh, Jesus went, before he even started his earthly ministry, he quarantined himself for 40 days. Everyone say 40. That's right. He fasted and he prayed for 40 days. So with that being said, and we, we give you more and more examples, but I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you that Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac. He waited a long time. So sometimes, though we feel like we're in isolation and we have waited a long time, God is getting ready to do something so supernatural. And that's why I want you to be encouraged. Because anytime we see any kind of activity from our enemy, we know that he knows that God is up to something powerful. And he doesn't like it. And so I'm excited to see all that God will do this year in 2020. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16. And I'm, I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible in case my version is just a little bit different from what you are reading. Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. And I want to stop right there because in our culture, the veil may not mean much to us. But in their day, it meant a lot. That was the separation from man and God. So he's saying that when that veil is removed, then you are face to face with God. Let's read on. And suddenly recognize that God is a living, don't you like that? God is a living, personal presence. I love that. Not a piece of chiseled stone. He's alive, he's real, and he's not just a Sunday school story. He is real. And when God is personally present, a living, here's that word again, spirit, that old constricting legislation, maybe your addictions or your bad habits, is recognized as obsolete. Man, that's great. We're free of it. All of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured or transformed. In these moments where we have these God encounters, we become a brand new person. Let's read on. Much like the Messiah, our lives gradually, and and a lot of you have heard that song, we move from glory to glory to glory. Much like the Messiah, our lives gradually become brighter 
and even more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And when you look at these God encounters, almost everyone in the Old Testament and New Testament, God works on the belief about yourself, who you think you are. And most of us have an incorrect view of ourselves because we've been defined by something. And especially after you've been quarantined, because I know a lot of pastors, they struggle this past few weeks just because this is their purpose and their destiny to to preach the gospel to people, and they had to find a way to be able to still, to still do so. And we thank God for social media in a positive way that we were able to do so. But what do we do first thing in the morning? We typically look in the mirror. Maybe you don't, maybe you do. Most of us do. And as you're looking in that mirror, you believe things about yourself, don't you? You may believe uh, from past relationships or, or some issues that you've gone through. Maybe your parents told you something about yourself that's not true and it, it defined you. But the question is, have you defined yourself the way that God sees you? Have you defined yourself the way that God sees you? And especially when you've been quarantined, chances are you have it. And God looks at you and says, I know you think you're this. I know you think you're, you're nothing. I, I know you think your ministry's over. I know you think you're never going to make money again. But that's not who you are. That's what God's saying. That's who you may think you've become, but that's not who you are. In these God encounters, almost everyone, before he calls you to do something, a mission in life, he works in the belief about yourself. I had uh, the privilege of helping to raise two beautiful young ladies, Carly and Kaylee. And we used to love to watch some videos. You can tell my age. They were Disney movies. And one of them was Snow White, one of the girls' favorite. Maybe it's your favorite as well. There's Snow White, and there's the small people, we'll call them. And then there's an evil queen, an evil queen who daily goes to a mirror. And you know what she says. Help me say it. Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? You have to have a little kind of strange way to say that. Well, what is she looking for? She's looking for validation that she's the most beautiful woman in the land, right? So it's amazing how many people go through life asking a mirror in front of them for validation. And they look at it through their jobs, Maybe they don't have one right now. Maybe through popularity or lack of. Maybe they look at the house that they live in and, and, and compare themselves to other people and their yard or their cars that they drive or their possessions. What I want to do today is I, I want you to find your validation in God because that's what we want to deal with. But I, I want to show you how you actually look in three, three different mirrors and especially when you've been quarantined. Because I'm going to get to a Bible character in a moment. And here, if you want to write this down, we, we look in three mirrors. And here's the first one. The mirror of failure or rejection. The mirror of failure or rejection. You define yourself incorrectly by saying, I am what I did. I am what I did. And some of you have struggled with that. Some of you struggle with, I am what I did. So you, you look in this mirror and it's, I see a failure. I see a failure. 
Maybe you've, you've had multiple marriages. Maybe you've been bankrupt multiple times and you think, oh, I'm just such a loser. I'm going to tell you, if you grab hold of what you did and call yourself that, you will define yourself incorrectly because God does not see you that way. He does not. God does not see you as what you did, but God sees you what you can become. And that is the difference. Love that. If you can't give a little grace to yourself, how in the world can you extend it to others? Give your, just give yourself a little favor and give grace to yourself. And don't let that past dictate your future. So that's, that's one mirror that we look in. Uh, another one is the mirror of social media. Boy, we could go for days on this one. And we look in this mirror incorrectly and we say, I am who they say I am. I am who they say I am. A lot of us compare ourselves, we say our miserable life, to those on social media on somebody else's highlight reel. We're comparing ourselves and think, well, we're nothing. And by the way, that's not who they are either. I want to tell you, they're just putting their best days on social media is what's happening. Can, I, can we be honest? Nobody does selfies first thing in the morning when they just get out of bed. Right? <laughs> it's the truth. Well, I've never seen one. Maybe there is, but I have not seen. It's mainly after about hours and hours of being in a mirror, putting on all the makeup, getting the hair just right, and then getting the right angle, and then using some kind of lens that makes you look younger or better than what you actually look. And then we compare ourselves to that. Or others, maybe you're comparing your bodies to the non-real humans that you see on the cover of magazines. And that isn't them either. It's been photoshopped or it's been moved around from here to somewhere else. Right? And what do we end up doing? We compare ourselves to these people who are fake. That's not the real them either. And we think we're losers. No, we're actually the winners. Right? So sometimes we, we look in this mirror of failure and think, oh, I'm, I'm nothing. Or we look through social media, I am who they say I am, and I'm not beautiful. I don't have anything to offer. But here's the third one. The mirror of inferiority. And then when you look in that mirror, you're saying, man, I'm just not enough. I'm, I'm not enough. I'll never be a good dad. I'll never be a good mom. I'll, I'll never make more money than what I'm making right now. I don't even have a job right now. I'm quarantined. I'll never be able to start that business now. Look, the whole world's going crazy. You told yourself some lies in the mirror, mirror. So how in the world do we find the right version of ourselves? I want to tell you how. To find out what something is, ask the one who created it. To find out what something is, ask the one who created it. 
You can't live out your God-given potential without asking the one who created you. And he is a living God. And he also put it in his word. So dive into God's word. Just a while ago, we sang, I am blessed. I am called. I am healed. I am whole. And I am saved in Jesus' name. And even though you, you don't believe it right now, you need to make those declarations. You need to speak that into your life because they are true. You are blessed. You are called. You are already healed. And you are whole. And you are saved in Jesus' name. Amen. I like that. That's why we love to have church services. And this is why I encourage you to read your Bible every morning. We're talking about these encounters with God after we've been isolated. And when you do, we're going to start believing a good report. Everyone say a good report. There we go. Good report about yourself. The old timers used to say it this way, and I wrote it down. I'm still not what I need to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I like that, don't you? And it can happen in your life if you make room for it. And especially after being quarantined. Let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 23. I want to show you some scripture. James chapter 1 23. That I think is really going to cause you to really have some freedom. James chapter 1 verse 23. And I'm going to read out of the NIV. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a, what? Mirror, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So that's anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says. It's like you looked in the mirror, but you forget what you, what you saw. But whoever looks intently, and, and this is what I'm asking you to do, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives Freedom. Everyone say freedom. And continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard. And here's the promise. But doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many could use a blessing? I know I can. So what I want to do is, just for a few more moments, I want to talk about Moses. And a lot of you know the story of Moses uh, from... Uh, the time when he was even in, up in age, he still struggled with his identity. From birth, they tried to kill him. You know the story. He was saved by the basket. And Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses as a baby. And, of course, he's in this basket. And uh, she, she, wants him to, she wants to save him because all the other boys are being killed and so, uh, of his age. So he had whatever he wanted. He, he was now a prince of Egypt, and he had everything he could possibly want. But that's not who God created him to be, was it? He was a Hebrew, not an Egyptian. So he sees this Egyptian beating up on another Hebrew, and so Moses looks around, he doesn't see anybody, and he kills the Egyptian for beating up on the Hebrew, which is, you know, his family, basically. And he goes, runs, and he hides because he knows he's been found out. 
we sometimes do the same thing. We run and we hide. And, and Moses is now on the backside of a desert. And for 40 years, folks, 40 years he's quarantined away from everything he's ever known. And God is getting ready to call him back. But he's struggling now. And this is what I want to talk about because this sometimes happens to us. We feel like, well, things will never get back to normal. Well, things are never going to be right again. Well, you let God take care of that. And you, you just worry about what God says you are and who God says that you can be. And so here's, here's Moses, and, he, and I think this is so amazing. He, he's minding his own business, and all of a sudden he sees this bush, and it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And I'm sure he's thinking, oh, man. I ate too many lamb burgers last night. Man, I just, I overdid it. I am seeing things. I should have never done this. And all of a sudden, then the bush begins to talk to him, and it's God. God is speaking to him. He says, what does he tell him? Take off your shoes. Why? Because you're on holy ground. You're on holy ground. That's right. Why would God say that? After being quarantined for 40 years. He, here, here he is. He's 80 years old with all these insecurities, and God says, take off your sandals. Well, you need to, well, this is what, what was really going on. God's saying, step out of your sandals so that you can step into your new assignment. Because God had something else for him to do. Yeah, but I'm 80. Yeah, but I killed somebody. I, I'm a murderer. And, and we're going to go over these things, these excuses, why we tell God, well, God, you can't use us. God, you, can't, you, you, you ain't going to use me because there's all this disease and virus out there, COVID-19. and No, I, I want you to have an encounter with God so that you get to the point where you realize I am who God says that I am. All right, let's, let's keep going on. Here's the first excuse that Moses gives, and it's in Exodus 3. Now, I want you to turn there. Exodus 3 and verse number 11. So let me set this up. Moses, that's us. That's, we are Moses. The desert place, well, that's shelter in place. That's stay-at-home orders that we've had. And then shoeless, when you, when you take your shoes off, God has something now for us to do. There's a new assignment. Don't do what Moses did. Don't. Don't give the excuses why you still can't be effective in our day. Let's look at the first one. He says, who am I? If you want to jot that down. Who am I, God, that you would want to use me? Exodus 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Like, in other words, do you realize I'm the murderer? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And, and Moses is telling God who he is. <laughs> But God's getting ready to tell him who God is. And God said, I will be with you. Let that be an encouragement to you today. I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I love that. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, by the way, who was also a murderer, 
God picks some strange people to be leaders, doesn't he? He picks some really bad people to be really good leaders. 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, Paul says, but by the grace of God. Everyone say grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. It, whatever you think of me to be, what, whatever great things I've ever done in the kingdom, I am because of the grace of God. And that is true for you and I today as well. We can't use the excuse, who am I? I've, I've done bad things. Here's the second insecurity Moses had. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? People struggle with insecurities, but they also struggle who God is. Look at verse 13. Moses said to God, eh, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Then God said to Moses, are you ready? Lots of reverb on this one. You ready, Misael? Lots of reverb. I am who I am. And he goes on to say, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. In other words, you try to define God, you can't put him in a box with one name. He's too many. So he just covers it all. Whatever you need, I am. That's who sent you. You need money, I am. I will supply it. You need food on your table, I'm your provider. You need joy, you need peace, you need healing, you need direction, I am. Let Take that to heart. Let that sink in. The reason you have a lack of confidence in your God is because he's not big enough. Your God is not big enough. I'm here to tell you, he can do anything he chooses to do. There was a, a little girl, and she was telling her teacher that she loved the story of, of Jonah, who was swallowed by a great fish. And the teacher said, well, that's impossible. And some of you have heard this story before. And the teacher said, it's impossible. Their, their, their esophagus is too small, and they could never swallow a, a whole human. So the little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I will ask him. If it's true. And the teacher said, well, what if he's not there in heaven? And the little girl said, then you can ask him. (laughs) I like that one, don't you? Gotta love kids. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the entire earth By your great power, by your outstretched arm. And I love this line. Nothing is too difficult for you. Say it with me. Nothing is too difficult for you. Now get it in your spirit. Let's say it one more time. Nothing is too difficult for you. And that's what people say who have these encounters with God. 
You've been quarantined for a long time. I get it. You, you feel like it's, things will never get right. You'll never be able to do your ministry. You'll never have that job. You'll never make that money. You'll never have that house. There's all kinds of excuses. But nothing is too difficult for our God to do. Can I get a witness? Somebody. Amen. Well, who am I? Who are you? And here's his next one that he's going to tell God. Well, what if they? What if they? Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me? What if they don't listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? (laughs) I want to tell you one thing while I'm on this point. You'll never know how good God is until you experience how bad circumstances are. Yeah, I know, I know it looks bad. I know Moses is 80. I know he, he's calling himself the murderer, and that's why he's hiding, and he's been quarantined for 40 years, 40 years. I want, I want you to look at Proverbs 25, 29. Proverbs 25, verse 29. We have all these, all these excuses and, and he's asking, he says, well, what if they, what if they, Proverbs 25, 29, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You need to believe what God says about you. Even in Jesus' day, John chapter 12, verse 42, John Chapter 12, verse 42. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, they believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they, because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. In other words, they they weren't going to let them come to church. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's interesting, isn't it? And it's also interesting that a tongue that is three inches long can kill a man six feet tall. It always amazes me. But notice what Paul says, and I I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And I want to tell you, you're, you're going to stay insecure until you let the pressures of someone who didn't save you tell you who you are. Don't let that happen. Let God tell you who you are. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Here's Paul. And he says, For I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I love this. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. Yes, it is the power of God that brings salvation. Salvation to everyone who believes. So you can't depend on what they say. And here's his last excuse. And at the end of this, God kind of gets mad at him. So be be careful. God has an answer for everything that you come back at him. He might be a little ticked off at you. And bring your relative off the side of you. And cause you trouble later on down the road. But anyway, that's another story. And he says, I have never. I have never. Exodus Chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, 
I have never, and there's the phrase, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Miracles begin with impossibilities. And easy can be addictive if you're not careful. And so we, we have all these excuses. Well, I, I have never. I'm not a good speaker. What if they don't believe me? Uh, what, what, who am I? Who are you? We, we have these excuses, don't we? Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And I'm going to close out with this. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is he saying there? He's in prison. I, I, I can endure any situation that I'm in. Here's Paul, quarantined in prison. I can do all things through Christ. I can endure any situation. And here, here's why. It's because of God's strength. God's strength. No, I've never been good at speaking. I've never been eloquent in speaking. But I can do all things. I can endure all things because God is going to give me the strength. Either you can or you can't or you will and you won't. It's your choice. It's time to stop looking into that mirror of who you think you are. Stop looking in the mirror like you're just broken trash. And start looking in the mirror and start seeing the righteousness of God. Because that's what's covered you. His righteousness makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. And my question is, how can you change the world if you can't change your world? You've got to let God do the work in you. And I guess I I sum this up by saying the future may change. It may look different. But your purpose won't change. It may go a little bit different route than what you thought it would, but you are still called. You are still healed. You are still whole and you are still saved in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're not going to sing it, but there's an old song that Michael W. Smith used to sing. And he, he would, and the words are, draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say, I'm your friend. You are my desire and no one else will do. No one else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way. Bring me back to you. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. Maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe that's where you are. 
But I want you to start making declarations about yourself. If you're not saved today, simply believe the gospel, the good news of the death, the burial, the resurrection. Confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and become saved. It's, it's, it's that simple. And then start walking in sanctification. Let the Holy Spirit of God direct you and lead you. Let the Word of God speak to your life as you walk with Him. And don't listen to the voices. When the devil brings up your past, remind him of his future. He doesn't have a good future. It's already determined. But you have a future. It's different for you. You are blessed. Why? Because God is good. Those at Life Church, would you stand with me right now? God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Let's sing it. God, you're so good. You're so
you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I realize I can't do anything to save myself. Save me. I call upon the name of the Lord to save me now. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of all my sin. I want to stand on the promises that my sins won't just be covered, but they will be wiped away, washed away. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. And I will stand as redeemed by the blood that you shed for me. I give thanks and praise for this salvation. I thank you, Lord. You are all I need. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Just let me know you're near. Let me feel your warm embrace right now. I sense that's exactly what our God is doing right now. Let's sing it one more time. God, you're so good. You're so good, God, you're so good. I sense your holy presence. God, you're so good, you're so good to me. Let's sing, I'm blessed. Let's sing it now. I am blessed, I am called. I am healed, I am whole, and I am saved in Jesus' name. And you who have saved us, highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. I am Because of Jesus Christ, we have this hope. 
we have hope. We've been quarantined. We've been isolated. But we have hope. Things are going to get better in Jesus' mighty name. I believe that. Better days are ahead. And this is not the end. It's the beginning of what God wants to do. And there has been revival in every home. Praise God for that. And it's just the beginning. I believe God wants to do more than just that. I thank God for what he's doing. Aren't you glad for the hope that we have in Jesus?